We are less than 10 days away from opening day. As spring training wraps up, who are some of the most impressive position player prospects, both top guys and otherwise, so far this spring? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer, podcaster, editor-in-chief of Bravetoday.com. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today we are looking at some of the most impressive position player prospects in spring training, starting with some of the top prospects. Guys, you've probably heard on this show before, uh, number one has to be St. Louis Cardinals outfielder Jordan Walker, 2021st rounder out of high school, and absolutely ridiculous power, and a guy that you're going, if you're St. Louis, you have to find a way to get him into your lineup sooner rather than later. There's a, there's a good chance that they find a way to, or they can't find a way to get him uh, in the lineup on opening day, but it's going to be soon. So reminder of what he did last year, 119 games in double A, 306, 388, 510, 19 home runs. 53 extra base hits, 58 walks to 116 strikeouts, and 22 of 27 on stolen bases. Started off as a third baseman when he was drafted. When Nolan Arenado opted into the rest of his deal, they move him from third base to the outfield. He's played mostly right field. He's looked better than we expected, especially for a guy with his frame. I've seen him listed at 225 or so. He looks a little bit closer to 250, but he carries the weight very well. He's got, to me, above average speed, has a strong and accurate arm, kind of arm you would expect a third baseman to have. And when he went to the Arizona Fall League last year, he actually dabbled a little bit in center and looked pretty good. And so you're in a situation where he can play, he can play center field in a pinch, but he's going to be a corner outfielder. And yes, you have plenty of options right now. You have Dylan Carlson for right field. You have Tyler O'Neill for center field. You have Lars Newtbar for left field. Juan Yepes is a first baseman and an outfielder. Brandon Donovan can play anywhere. But you've got to find a way to get Jordan Walker into the lineup, whether it's DHing or putting him out in the field. And depth will always work itself out, right? That is a thing that you've heard so many times. We talk about it on this show. Something will happen to one of those outfielders or, like what happened last year, multiple of those outfielders where they end up finding a natural spot for Jordan Walker. But this spring, so far, he's looked very impressive. As of Sunday, uh, 14 games, uh, slash line of 378, 391, 667, three home runs, seven extra base hits in 14 games. Uh, one walk to eight strikeouts, and one for one on stolen bases. The opponent quality, and you'll remember from yesterday's show in the first segment, the opponent quality is a baseball reference measure of how good uh, the, the competition level that you faced in your spring training game. Uh, it, it takes the, the, la- the most recent level 
of everybody on the field at a, a given time to figure out the skill level that you are up against. It's a one to t- it's indexed on a one to ten scale. For Jordan Walker, the skill level is seven point six, which is between double A and triple A, and it's pretty high for spring training. Obviously, as you make substitutions and you bring in uh, prospects and minor league players later in the game, that's going to drop. So seven point six, double A is seven, triple A is eight, MLB is ten. So that is a, a a higher level of competition than a lot of players face in spring. Has looked very good. I don't quite know exactly how it works out. When you look at the Fangraphs depth chart, uh, we look we use this tool all the time. They're very fast to update with uh, how a team deploys their guys. They're assuming that Jordan Walker is going to start off as the DH until you figure out a spot in the outfield for him. I do worry that if you do that. That means that you either have to play Nolan Gorman at second or you have to lock Brendan Donovan into your everyday job at second base. And I feel like the best positional value for both of those guys is for Nolan Gorman to DH so you don't have to worry about the defense and for Brendan Donovan to be available to rotate around the entire field. So some work to do there to figure out how to optimize the lineup. But I do see a scenario where Jordan Walker breaks camp with the team and they wait to find a way to get him into the lineup every day in the outfield once some sort of injury happens, ineffectiveness, again, death works itself out. I don't know if they're going to or not. I'm worried he'll start off in in the minors. He is a non-roster invitee. You have to add him to the 40-man roster. So I worry they don't figure that out right away. But either way, Jordan Walker has looked fantastic this spring, has hit home runs, has made running catches, catches up against the wall, has looked like a natural in right field. Uh, Second guy who's been really impressive, Boston first baseman Tristan Cassis. 2018 first rounder out of high school, bigger frame, 6'4", 250. Got 76 games in AAA last year. 281, 389, 500. 12 home runs, 36 extra base hits, 49 walks to 70 strikeouts. Came up last year for the last month of the season. Struggled a little bit. 197, 358, 408. Five home runs, six extra base hits, 19 walks to 23 strikeouts. I like how often he walked in the big leagues last year compared to how often he striked out. He struck out. I I like to see that. And this spring, you've kind of seen a continuation of the good pitch recognition and the competitive at-bats. 14 games in spring, again, as of Sunday. 359, 419, 590. Two home runs, five extra base hits, and four, and four walks to 10 strikeouts. Opponent quality, 7.5. So again, right there between AA and AAA, similar to Jordan Walker. I feel like defensively, he's going to be an above-average defender at first base. I do like the range for a first baseman. Obviously, range at first base is not the biggest factor in the world. Definitely helps. But again, I've been really impressed with how he's improved his pitch recognition and the competitiveness of his at-bats against MLB regulars this spring, especially sometimes compared to what happened at the end of the year in Boston last year. The third guy, and somebody that I am targeting in in, in fantasy baseball, both on my dynasty team as well as in some of my redrafts in my two catcher leagues, is Angels catcher Logan Ohoppy. 
2018 23rd rounder out of high school, uh, was actually traded from the Phillies to the Angels last year for Brandon Marsh. But 104 games in AA in both organizations. 283, 416, 544. 26 home runs, 41 extra base hits in 104 games for Logan O'Hoppy. 70 walks to 74 strikeouts and 7 of 11 on stolen bases. This spring, 9 games so far. 261, 346, 435. One home run, two extra base hits. Three walks to nine strikeouts. No stolen base attempts because it's spring and not everybody does that. Uh, 7.2 is the opponent quality. So again, they're between AA and AAA. And the big things that I've noticed, and it's a little bit more scouting than, than statistics when it comes to catchers. The veterans like throwing to him. Before he left for the WBC, Shohei Otani was doing all of his stuff with Logan Ohapi. A lot of the veterans like uh, like what he does. They've been making a point to to have have him catch their bullpens, things like that. I like the the arm being plus. I like his agility side to side when it comes to blocking, getting down for balls in the dirt, as well as moving laterally. And so all of that defensively, I think he'll be fine. From uh, From talking to some people who have watched him and have seen him, it feels like uh, your big question here is, He's going to have swing and miss, but the, the swing is simple for the most part. He should be fine. Can he handle the mental load of being the guy and still contributing offensively? I think he can. I think, yes, you're going to have a little bit of swing and miss in there. You may have a little bit of struggles early simply because he is trying to take on that workload. You may see Max Stasi in a pretty even timeshare earlier in the year. But I think Logan O'Hoppy will take over and be the guy, the guy, for Los Angeles sooner rather than later. And if he does that and he looks good, there's a very good chance that uh, he can be one of the missing pieces to get them into the playoffs in what portends to be the, fi- the possible final year of Shohei Otani with the Angels. In just a minute, I want to get to some guys, some, some current and some former prospects. Uh, former top prospects who have struggled at the big league level but look a lot better this spring. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn and LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile so all of your connections can see that you are hiring. You can use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, some guys that aren't as heralded and, and in some cases aren't even necessarily prospects anymore, but have looked pretty good in spring. The first one is Rockies third baseman El Horace Montero. El Haris Montero. I'm saying it wrong. I know I am. We always do. 2015 IFA and something where 
came up last year, looked okay, but struggled a little bit offensively. So statistically, I'm going to give you a bunch of stats here, and I apologize up front. 65 games in AAA Albuquerque last year. 310, 392, 541. 15 home runs and 27 extra base hits, and that's in 65 games in AAA, with 27 walks to 63 strikeouts, 4-6 on stolen bases. So they call him up. He's playing some third base. It goes fine. It's not great, but offensively, it's fine. He bats 233, 270, 432. Six home runs. The power production wasn't really there despite being in Colorado. Uh, 24 extra base hits, and this is in 53 games. Eight walks to 60 strikeouts really kind of loses the the, uh, the the better walk rate that he had in the minors. No stolen base attempts. But this spring looks a little bit better, has increased the walks again, has cut down the strikeouts. The power is flashing. In 16 spring training games, again through Sunday, El Haris Montero, 268, 348, 512. Three home runs. Four extra base hits, five walks to eight strikeouts, opponent quality of 7.6. So again, they're between AA and AAA. The thing that I've noticed, defensively, you're still looking at he's good enough, but he's not going to be an above-average defender at third. Uh, He has a plus arm, but it's just the range and the mobility. He's got a larger frame. He's like 6'3", 240, and he just doesn't move with the kind of range that you would want to cover the ground that you need him to cover to be a plus defender, especially when you're used to, in the past, you had a guy like a Nolan Arenado there. But the power is real. The power in the bat is real. And what I like about what I've seen in spring is the swing decisions have gotten better. He's done a much better job of pitch recognition, of of getting the discipline off of the spin, not always swinging so early in the count and just trying to ambush the first pitch before he has to figure out the whole the whole questions about is this going to be um you know what is this sequence going to be and how is he going to try to attack me let me just jump on the first pitch so i think that this is the year where you see montero because of the injuries you've seen for the rockies in the middle infield i think he has an opportunity to go in there and really end up um making an impact for the Rockies in 2023. The next guy who technically not a prospect anymore because he went over the thresholds last year, but Michael Massey of the Kansas City Royals, 2019 fourth rounder out of the University of Illinois, got eight, got 87 games last year between AA and AAA, 312, 371, 532, 16 home runs, 44 extra base hits, again in 87 games, so every other game, you love that radio ratio there. 34 walks to 89 strikeouts, just over one a game. Don't love that ratio of strikeouts to to games, but you'll take it. 13 to 15 on stolen bases. Got some time in Kansas City last year, about 50 games or so. Not the greatest debut in the world, but he looked okay. 243, 307, 376 slugging. The power didn't really show. Four home runs, 14 extra base hits, nine walks to 46 strikeouts. So. Struck out just under once a game, but the walk rate kind of cratered a little bit. Three for three on stolen bases. This spring, he feels like he looks good enough at second. And I think what helps is Nicky Lopez, who can play third, can play short, can play second, 
he had he was with Team Italy for a while. And so Michael Massey feels like he's kind of taken over the second base job. Again, he looks good enough defensively, but he's barreling balls quite a bit more in spring training than he was last year. In 11 games, he's 10 to 29, three home runs, five extra base hits, two walks to six strikeouts, and two for two on stolen bases. It's an opponent quality of 7.5, but I like the idea of Michael Massey breaking camp as the starting second baseman for the Royals, and then Nicky Lopez, and all signs indicate that they've been working on this, Nicky Lopez taking more of a utility role. He can spell different guys. He can play four or five days a week at three or four different positions, but uh, Michael Massey breaking camp as the starting second baseman. Uh, Just like what I've seen, I think that this year is going to be the year when he kind of cements it as, okay, yeah, no, um, I'm going to stay healthy. The power that he flashed for the first time in 2021 is absolutely real, and I'm going to be able to use these instincts, use use this baseball knowledge to be an, uh, an average to above average defender at short, I'm sorry, at second, as well as contribute offensively to this team. The third guy, and boy, is it somebody who has struggled a quite a bit in his career, but Seattle Mariners outfielder Jared Kalinick. Uh, not going to go into all of the stats, but just uh, was drafted sixth overall by the Mets in 2018. He was part of the Robinson Cano-Edwin Diaz deal between the Mets and the Mariners. He went all the way to double-A in his first year with the Mariners, spent time at the alternate site, and then alternated triple-A in the bigs in both 21 and 22. Batting average in triple-A was somewhere between 300 and 320. Batting average in the bigs was somewhere between 140 and 180. So a lot of questions about, is he a quad A, quad a player? He's, he's really good for AAA, not good enough for the bigs. He's looked in spring, he's looked much more disciplined. Uh, some, of the, some of the issues, uh, it's, it's the swing decisions and the patience. He's looked a lot better at not chasing off of the plate, recognizing spin that's moving away from him, recognizing off speed and being able to either slow his bat down or slow his swing down or uh, lay off of it for a pitch that he can legitimately drive. And he just feels like he has more confidence. When you watch him body language wise, it feels like he's more comfortable. He's more confident. And so because of that, I feel like it got it. It's one of those like, you just you're getting your hopes up. I know we're getting our hopes up, but it feels like Jared Kalinick is in to do a little bit better. 13 games, again, as of Sunday for these stats, 400, 432, 857, four home runs, seven extra base hits, two walks to seven strikeouts, three of four on stolen bases, opponent quality of eight. So highest on this entire list, and very much he's playing at least triple-A caliber lineups every time he's out there. So, feel good about Jared Kalinick hopefully getting to at least average offensively in the bigs this year. In just a minute, there's been a really interesting position battle in Atlanta but at shortstop to replace Dansby Swanson. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff. 
Now is the time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I am voting for Churro. Uh, if, if, like the way this works, go vote for your bar, support your team, support your bar or puff. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered in a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners get a free box of Built. And not only that, but one lucky Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built. It is the best protein bar. They are very good tasting, but also good for you. They're all high in protein. The the bar, my favorite churro bar, 17 grams of protein, low in sugar, 100% real chocolate, 130 calories. So real chocolate, yet low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, good for you. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every single day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Okay, so Dansby Swanson leaves Atlanta uh, to go to the Cubs on a really good contract. The fourth of the four big shortstops to sign last offseason. And the job, the conversation for the job was former Brewer shortstop Orlando Arcia, who was in a utility role for Atlanta, versus prospect Vaughn Grissom. Grissom was called up last year, 2019 11th rounder out of high school, was called up to play second base after Ozzy Albies had multiple injuries, was out for the year, and started off pretty hot and then cooled off down the stretch. But final stat line in 2022, when he passed rookie eligibility, so no longer a prospect for Vaughn Grissom, 291, 353, 440, five home runs, 11 extra base hits. 11 walks to 34 strikeouts, and 5 of 7 on stolen bases. And the story for Von Grissom, even when he was a prospect, was we didn't know if he was going to be able to stick it short. Was his defense going to be good enough? And it was the range, the athleticism. He had the arm strength to even go out to third if he needed to. He has the quick hands to play second. The question was, range-wise, can he get to everything he needs to get to at third base? So. He went to New Orleans this offseason, three separate one-week stints. The Braves sent him down there to work with Ron Washington, who is by now just about everybody in baseball knows how he is a defensive guru. He is very, very good at coaching up infield defense. They spent three separate one-week sessions. He told the team that he would have Grissom ready for spring training if they sent him down there, and they did. From everything I've seen in spring training, Von Grissom looks to be perfectly fine defensively. I'm not going to call him a plus defender. Uh, the arm strength is good. But again, it absolutely looks like he can he can play at least an average level of shortstop defensively. And then offensively, that's where you're looking for Von Grissom to really be able to contribute. 11 games in spring training, 323, 361, 387. No home runs. But two extra base hits, two walks to three strikeouts, one for one on stolen bases, opponent quality of 6.7. So between that double A and triple A level. The issue and the reason why this kind of came up and was a question is we, up until Monday, we hadn't seen Von Grissom play shortstop in about a week. He DH'd a lot when he played. And it's because Braden Shoemake, the prospect, 
was getting most of the starts at shortstop. 2019 first rounder out of Texas A&M. So same draft, 10 rounds earlier than Grissom. But what he did in uh, last year, in 2022, 259, 316, 399 at AAA Gwinnett, seven home runs, 23 extra base hits, 23 walks to 57 strikeouts in 76 games, and nine for nine on stolen bases. He would have been called up to replace Ozzy Albies when Albies had, uh, had the injury, if not for Brandon Shoemaker having a knee injury of his own. And so that is what gave Vaughn Grissom the shot to come up to play second base. And the story on Braden Shoemake has always been, defensively, he very good, very promising. He can give you average to above average defense, probably above average or so. The arm strength's above average. Really good instincts, really good hands. The range is good. But his power ceiling was limited. Uh, it's something he is, I believe he's 6'4", 190. That is the exact same thing that he was listed in college. Just has a smaller frame, kind of like a lankier frame, has never really been able to put on, uh, to put on weight, put on healthy weight, put on muscle, and consequently raise the ceiling on the power. And so it's something, going into this year, the book on Braden Shoemake was good defender, could play anywhere in the infield you needed him to, but because he sometimes expanded the zone against secondaries and sometimes struggled with, with top velocity combined with the lower power ceiling, you're looking at a guy who is going to be a utility player at the big league level. You'll have him on your bench. He can play second. He can play third. He can play short. He can cover wherever you need him to cover. If there's an injury, you got to sub late, something like that, but he's not going to be a starter. Well, this year in spring training, 12 games, again through Sunday, 333-400-482 is the slash line for Braden Shoemake. No home runs, which in his defense, only one brave shortstop has a home run this spring. It's Orlando Arcia, and I think he hit that while playing second. But no home runs, three extra base hits, two walks to five strikeouts, and one for two on stolen bases with an opponent quality of 7.5. And so he's looked, he, he's flashed the power. He's better. He's flashed a better on base percentage. He's looked better against secondary stuff, against spin, against better like MLB level velocity. And Braden Shoemake has made this a legitimate competition. And so what's going to happen here is Atlanta's going to have to make a decision in about a week or so. And when they break camp, either Braden Shoemake or Vaughn Grissom is going to go to Atlanta as the starting shortstop. Uh, Orlando Arcia will be the will be the backup, the infield utility guy can play anywhere in the infield. He's even played some left field as well. The other player is going to go to Triple A Gwinnett and be the everyday starter. So if Braden Shoemake wins the job, he'll start in Atlanta. Vaughn Grissom will be in in Triple A at Gwinnett playing every day. Vice versa, if if Grissom wins the job out of spring training, Shoemake will go back to AAA and spend and spend all of the year being there until he's needed because of an injury or something like that. Uh, it's a good problem for the Braves to have. It's a great job by Braden Shoemake to 
insert himself into this competition. It was very much going into spring training, seen as Vaughn Grissom's job to lose with Orlando Arcia as the backup uh, and Shoemake just in AAA. I do think there is the potential if Shoemake, if this offensive change is real and this sticks, for him eventually being the long-term shortstop and you being able to take Vaughn Grissom and move him to something like a left field. And that gives you nine positions on the field with with guys under long-term deals because both these guys have either six years for Shoemake or five years for Grissom's sake of contractual control. So either way, going to be a ton of fun to watch what's going on there in Atlanta and to kind of see uh, who wins this competition. Does the prospect uh, Braden Shoemake win it or does former prospect Von Grissom win it? And the Shoemake thing is just a reminder. Guys can change. He's 24, he's 24, 25 years old, but he's still evolving as a player and still getting better. You're not, you don't become a finished product in the minors. You get 80% of the way there, 90% of the way there, and then you do the rest at the big league level. So very impressed with what I've seen this spring from Braden Shoemake. Very curious to see who wins this job. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, we have a mailbag every Monday. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked On MLB Prospects Discord. Link's in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a good time to pay a minor leaguer.